Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means that no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope something in the next hour shines a light for you and helps you move forward. Sometimes an unexpected fall can lead a person to reach for magnificent heights. My guest on today's show is Dana Liesegang. At the age of 19, she was violently assaulted, thrown off a cliff, and left for dead. She's here today to share her wild ride of moving from victim to outspoken advocate, and you'll hear what she's learned about the power of forgiveness and how important it is to refuse to stay silent. Are you ready to meet her? Dana Liesegang is an expert in spinal cord injury recovery and a 2014 recipient of the Hero of Forgiveness Award given by the Worldwide Forgiveness Alliance. When she's not traveling the world as a motivational speaker, she's taking university classes and hanging out with friends and the love of her life, Jack, a yellow lab, in a quaint little town in Colorado. She enjoys every minute of the life she has created in the now. Find out more about Dana and her work at DanaLiesegang.com. Dana, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're here. Is it okay if we start by asking about Jack? I have a a Black Lab Jack Russell Terrier mix who is the love of my life. Can I hear about Jack? Well, yeah. It might make me cry a little bit. Um, He just passed. Oh, my. And he was definitely a support in everything that I've done for the last Twelve and a half years. Um, he lived a long, full life. I'm very grateful to have had all of that time with him. And he's just a guiding light still. There's a wonderful way, I think, that our companion animals have of bringing us into the present moment, no matter what is happening. And there's a way, I think, that they know when we are in pain or when we're happy or when we're lonely or frightened or scared. And I know that with uh, my dog Tanner, who passed about eight years ago, I believe that I still feel Tanner come to me when I'm upset. Have you felt Jack with you since he passed? Yes. Um, (laughs) Interestingly enough, like the next day after he had passed, I was sitting, crying, watching videos of him. And I heard this little and a thump on my head and a and a thump on my head. And it took this third thump on my head. I'm like, what is wrong with this bee? I look up and there's a hummingbird directly in front of my face. Oh, my God. Like an itch. It took three times of hitting me in the head to go, hey. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hummingbirds come, rainbows. He's around always. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. um the um I know people who have uh, spiritual beliefs that when our pets pass that they're gone, right? And there's no like afterlife and there's no anything. And I know from my own personal experience that that's not the case and it sounds like you're having that experience too. Oh yeah, he's with me all the time. Shoot, I have uh Jack in his little tin right next to me. So. Oh. Still goes everywhere. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful! Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Now, your story, maybe where we start with you is let's start at the beginning. What on what on earth happened? Well, um, it was a night like I any other I thought, and I walked off base to mail a letter and took a ride from a kid that was on the ship next to me. I thought I was safe. I was on base. So you think your fellow comrade is going to be safe when he was 18 years old, I was 19. You never think that someone your own age is going to hurt you in any way, shape, or form. And by the end of this night, he had raped me and thrown me off a 75-foot cliff and left me for dead. It was Sunset Cliffs in San Diego. And I'm coming up on 25 years of healing and recovery and it's a constant as a as you know healing is always a moving forward thing and you know I, I woke up and from a coma in the hospital unable to breathe I had tubes down my throat and my arms I couldn't move my head the first thought that came to my mind was I'm paralyzed and I don't want to live like this now, I tried to commit suicide on a respirator. This is not possible. <laughs> Just so you know, you can bite down on it, and it's a great way to get someone's attention, but you can't commit suicide when something is breathing for you. So I decided that, well, if that wasn't an option, then neither is this respirator. And the more I bit down on it, finally somebody was like, let's try and wean her off of it. And... I was able to do that, and I kept moving forward. They kept saying, well, you're going to need a nurse the rest of your life. And I'm like, mm, uh-uh, not my style. <laughs> Three years of extreme hard work as a C5 injury, which means you have nothing below, uh, above your nipple lying down. Uh, your fingers don't work. You've got biceps deltoids, and traps, which are your shoulder muscles. And that was all I had to work with. But I managed to become totally independent in my wheelchair, dressing myself, showering myself, um, being able to drive. And and then I had hit a wall of depression at one point. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I, I even got married afterwards. I learned how to drive a big rig, and you know, I just kept trying new things. And I finally hit this wall of, is this really it? Am I really going to be in wheelchair the rest of my life? And I thought, maybe I am. So I started, I was a little suicidal. I had been going skiing at the Disabled American Veterans Winter Ski Clinic. And I went there and managed to get my courage back up to go home and and move out of the town I was in 
to have a change. I went to a health expo. And about a week later, I found Wayne Dyer's book. It actually found me, Manifest Your Destiny. Hmm. I was in Borders Bookstore, and it fell off the shelf in front of me. Now, at the expo, everybody's like, oh, did you see Wayne Dyer? Did you see Wayne Dyer? I'm like, who the heck is Wayne Dyer? I'm busy trying to figure out if I'm going to live or not <laughs> and if I'm going to get a divorce. And so I'm off seeing a psychic, you know, thinking, well, maybe someone will help me out that way. And I'm like, who is this Wayne Dyer? And then, of course, a week later, the book falls off in front of me. And I learned so much. I'm like, I can manifest my destiny. Look where I've gotten myself to this point. So I changed how I was eating. I started juicing. I started exercising. I started, while I was exercising, saying the mantra, I am walking, I am walking, I am walking. And... I just kept going. Uh, and now, at this point in my life, I can walk a half a mile with crutches. And I'm pretty excited about it. It takes me an hour or more, but I can do it. So that's, that's exciting for me. Wow. And on the cover, I we've done all this, and I haven't even said the name of your book. Uh, on the cover of your new book, which is Falling Up, My Wild Ride from Victim to Victory, um, that book, which is coming out in, uh, in early November. So go pre-order your copy now, please. Um, on the cover of that book is a picture. Is that you standing? That is me. Wow. That's me. And so as I read that, as I read from that place where you wake up in the hospital and there is a machine breathing for you and you cannot speak because the respirator is down your throat and you don't really remember what's happened and you don't know and everybody is around to get to the place where you are standing walking on your own that's enormous thank you wow let, i worked very hard <laughs> yeah let me ask if it's okay when you were in the hospital so after this incident happened after you were found and brought to the hospital after you woke up you were given a choice about telling what happened or not telling what happened. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that choice was and, and why you made the choice that you made. Uh, this is correct. The, when I had just I got onto the regular ward, I had just started being able to breathe on my own. I could only whisper one syllable at a time. I couldn't even say a full two-syllable word without having to take a breath. I was still paralyzed from the neck down at that point, and, and I was, had a halo on, so I couldn't turn my head, and the halo is where they stick four bolts into your head, and it's a brace mounted to a, a jacket, a vest that you wear that keeps, it's like um, a metal cast for your neck. Mm. Um, and the Navy advisor came in and said, we know it's foul play. He told the cops one story. He told the Navy six different stories. However, if you take this to court, you will lose. You will get nothing. But if you take your right to remain silent, you'll be 100% service-connected the rest of your life. They laid out my benefits for school, medical benefits, that I'd have a, a paycheck the rest of my life. And you know, I had great peripheral vision, so I kind of looked my side at where my dad was and he just kind of gave me the zip your lip mm. and 
at 19, I was barely 19 years old. And in light of what goes on now in the military and people still not getting justice for sexual assault in the military, I made the best choice at the time to take my right to remain silent. It wasn't until 21 years post-injury that I had been in and out of mental health that my social worker finally took me aside and she's like, you have to tell me what happened because it needs to be in your record. We need to be able to give you the best help that we can, but we need to know what happened. And so I told her and I told her about, and she's like, oh, that's why you wouldn't tell anyone. That's why you wouldn't say anything. Because I had remembered a lot of the details. I just didn't remember everything straight away. It took years of, you know, nightmares and cranial sacral work and just digging at my own emotional health where everything came to full light. But I uh, told her and she's like, the Navy has no jurisdiction over you anymore. You are a veteran under the Veterans Administration. You can go yell it at the top of your lungs. And then I went on a cruise after I went to see John of God with Wayne Dyer. And Wayne Dyer, I told him on the previous cruise that I went on when I told, I just wanted to thank him because I thought he was going to die of cancer. Mm. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to thank this guy before he dies. So I went on this Australian cruise. What a great reason to go travel. (laughs) Um, Just to say thank you. And so he suggested I go see John of God. And I'm like, sure. Okay, why not? And uh, John of God is actually where I let go of a lot of anger and found forgiveness in my heart. Do you... I'm so sorry. Do you you feel like other... Like women who are the victims of violent criminal assault, violent sexual assault, are they often encouraged to stay quiet? Yes, most often. In fact, 97 out of 100 men walk away scot-free from any kind of charges. So that means only three men out of 100 go to jail for rape or any kind of sexual assault. And women are basically in the civilian world and military world told, first of all, it's not going to do you any good. They're just going to rake you over the coals if they believe you to begin with. And a woman is most often blamed. So what were you wearing? What were you drinking? What kind of behavior were you, were you dancing provocatively? What did you do to encourage that behavior? So we're the ones blamed. So why are we going to come forward and put ourselves through that kind of trauma? We've already been through some of the worst trauma that you can go through. Mm. And, and it doesn't just happen to women. One out of 71 men in their lifetime will experience sexual assault. One in five women will experience sexual trauma or sexual assault. And that's in the U.S. That's not worldwide. One of the things... And in the military, in the military it might be a little higher just because they know they can get away with it. I'm, I hope and think things are changing now. And not... I love my military. Not every military man is a rapist. There's just those bad apples that are making it bad for the rest of them. 
One of the things that I got from reading the book, from reading Falling Up, is that it is never too late to tell. So if you have been silent, it is never too late to tell. Would you agree with that? I would 100% agree with that. I believe non-silence is the first step to really healing because we we think we're all alone and we don't realize just how many people it's happened to. And you may be telling your, your best friend for the first time and learn that it's happened to her. And that's kind of what happened to me. You know, I'm, I was at the winter sports clinic and one of my friends, I noticed how she responded. I'm like, whoa, I'm not alone here. So we ended up talking just by ourselves, but you never want to say it out loud to anybody else because you don't want to be blamed. And somehow we feel guilty for being the victim. And part of the way we hold that guilt sometimes is by not only do we not say anything, but then it becomes something that we don't talk about even even to ourselves. Maybe we don't right. forget, but you hold that as something that just, oh, we'll put that over there in the dark corner and not look at it. Yeah, I, I've most certainly been guilty of that. I mean, for you know, a long time, I, I stuffed it aside until I started having really big problems with PTSD and not knowing what was wrong with me. So I went in and saw a counselor at the VA and I finally told her and she's like, we have PTSD. I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. If there is a woman listening who has experienced a rape or has experienced sexual abuse, sexual trauma, what would you say to her? What do you want her to know? First, it's not your fault. The fault is never the victim. It's the rapist. We don't have a rape problem. We have a rapist problem. Hmm. It is never, no matter what you wear, no matter how drunk you were, no matter if you were passed out on a couch and, you know, whatever, it's never the victim's fault. Forgive yourself and tell someone that you trust, that you know won't judge you. And if you don't have anyone, you can go to the Silent No More Foundation. And I know that my co-founder, Trisha Labar, will be most happy to be an ear for you. She heads most of the foundation, and I just allow my story on there. Tell me about what that... I'm so sorry. Tell me about what that foundation does. Um, It's basically an outlet for people to go and tell their story anonymously. To at least just get it off their chest. It's so powerful because when we cannot share our story for whatever reason, someone told us no, or we don't remember it all the way, or we tell ourselves no, when we cannot share our story, it's very difficult to achieve healing. It's very difficult to achieve wholeness. It's very difficult to move forward. As part of your 
healing in the physical body. You pushed yourself to the limit again and and again and again and again and again. What are some of the things as, as we now move with you from that hospital bed now to the place where you can breathe on your own now as you're going through that extensive rehabilitation, what are some of the ways in which you pushed yourself physically? Well, I, I changed my whole entire lifestyle. Once you get on the healing path, it's not a quick fix. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to go take stem cells and walk again. I've done stem cells in many countries, but I've also done the rehabilitation with um, personal trainers. And for rehab with a spinal cord injury, they teach you to use the muscles that you have. They don't teach you that maybe you can get more back. And with an incomplete injury, which is what mine is, means I have sensation and or function below where I broke my neck and where the damage is to my spinal cord. So I decided if they were wrong about my ability to breathe and then they were wrong about my ability to take care of myself, they must be wrong about my ability to walk. And if my bones can heal themselves, why can't my spinal cord heal itself if I give it the right tools? So I started just seeking out light therapy, tone therapy, sound, um, kinesiology. I started working with personal trainers. And then, you know, ultimately I would push myself so far that I'd end up breaking a bone and go, oh, I guess that's the universe telling me to slow down a little bit. (laughs) And then I'd get right back up and start doing it again, except for, I didn't wait until the bone was healed. I just duct taped my cast to a, a pedal and um, got on a stationary bike. And I could, at 10 years post-injury, I was able to push the left leg to be able to get the right leg around, which was the one I keep breaking. And then it's duct taped and I could get it around. I had some push ability, but I'm still working on hamstrings and foot flexors. You know, I just see every increment as progress i don't look at it like some of my friends have went oh really all you can do is that you're not running you're not walking so because when i was just first starting out i could just flick my leg a little bit i'm like watch this watch this watch this and they're like are you kidding me you're chasing a pipe dream and you're wasting your money Mm. except for that now i've walked up the spanish steps in rome and they're still sitting in their chairs (laughs) and now they're like okay, where are you going? What are you doing? And I've been able to change some minds that way. But I don't, I don't treat anything as failure. I, for me, if I don't try, I have failed. If I don't do the work, I have failed. I'm failing myself. I'm not failing for any other reason in the world other than I'm failing myself. And I've also been able to use that anger in the beginning years to fuel that fire because I'm like, Oh, uh, uh-uh. you may have hurt me and thrown me off a cliff, but you didn't kill my spirit, buddy. Hmm. I will show you and I will get out of this chair. And then by the time I'm, I, you know, I'm up walking using crutches. I'm like, Oh, I want to call him and tell him, you know, Hey, I-, I live a good life and I forgive you. And I'm taking my power back. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to drain all of my energy into you because that still allows you to win in my book. I want to take all of my power, love myself, 
and go, I don't know why you were such an angry teenage boy and why you did what you did, but something inside of him was sick and unhappy and he took it out on someone else because he just didn't know how to choose love. He didn't know any other way. And now that I do know, I'm letting go and I forgive and I love him for the journey that he has put me on and the people that I have in my life. I wouldn't change it. It was the worst thing that happened to me and the best thing that happened to me. Would I, would I want to go through it all again? No. <laughs> However, <laughs> that's not how the cards were stacked. This is how the cards were stacked. Now I hold all the aces. When we come back after the break, I want to ask you more about forgiveness. I want to ask you, because you did place a phone call, I want to ask you about that phone call, about about what happened, that piece of forgiveness that you're talking about, about where you are refusing to hold on to that energy anymore. That is how we manifest our destiny. I believe that is how we make things happen, is when we step into our power to be the ones who make the change. Not because of someone else or in spite of someone else, but when we step into our own, our own power to make that happen, that's where the magic is, at least as it seems to me. And I believe that I was keep, I kept hitting roadblocks and breaking bones is because I, I just wasn't really fully letting go and letting God. And now, you know, I've broken my right leg five times and my left leg once, and it's time for me to just go, oh, okay, it's in your hands. My bad. I won't push anymore. I'll just allow and that's that's where I'm at now. I'm still working, but I'm allowing things to come to me instead of pushing four hours a day in the gym until I get a concussion. Wow. You are listening to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and my guest is Dana Lisa Gang. Her new book is Falling Up, My Wild Ride from Victim to Victor. That will be released in a couple of weeks, and you can pre-order that. When we come back with Dana, we'll talk about the power of forgiveness. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude, what happened to your face? I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Dude, what is this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. I'm home and I love it. I'm home where I belong. I'm home and I love it. I'm home where I belong. It's always nice to come home. But these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. 
Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg! Ha ha! I win! Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What do you say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Dana Gang. Her new book is Falling Up, My Wild Ride from Victim to Victor, and it's published by Hay House, and you can pre-order that book. It's coming out in the next couple of weeks. You can find out more about Dana and her work, by the way, at danaleesegang.com. Let me go ahead and spell that out for you. It's D-A-N-A-L-I-E-S-E-G-A-N-G.com, danaleesegang.com. Dot com. And of course, I always welcome your feedback, your questions, your comments. What do you think of what you're hearing today? Is there a story that you haven't told that is weighing on you that maybe you've been silent about? Does hearing Dana's story encourage you to tell the truth, to speak up, to say what happened as part of your healing? You can always reach out to me through my website at karenhager.com, and I love to hear from you. Dana, before we went to the break, you touched just a little bit on that wanting to make that phone call to the man who assaulted you and say, here I am, buddy, I'm, I'm walking now, I'm living a good life, and I forgive you. You really did make that call. What happened when you did? I did make that call. I um, Googled his name and found his obituary, and I was in shock, first of all, because he died a day before I went to see John of God. And I don't know if you're familiar with John of God, but he's a spiritual healer, and entities work through him. So I think that there's divine order, and that my attacker was helping me to forgive. And so I sat there and I looked at it, and then I was like, okay. So I googled his mom and their phone number, and... I dialed my phone, and I stared at my phone. It went dark outside. I hadn't turned a light on my, in my house. And then I finally went, okay, send. And she answered the phone. Sweet woman. I told her, 
I knew your son. And she said, okay. And I said, I just want to say, I'm sorry and give you my condolences. And what I didn't expect was for her to say, how did you know my son? And so I told her that I, about the night I got hurt and she was crying and I was crying and she was asking me what she could do for me, which, you know, I was like, I just want you to know I, I have forgiven your son. And I, I know that parents blame themselves for the wrongdoings that their children do. I ask that you forgive yourself. I live a very healthy life. And I gave her my name, spelling. I said, you can Google me and, and see for yourself that I live a very full and happy life. And she said, thank you. And, you know, we cried a little bit together. And I, for me, it was, it was still healing and some closure. I, I hope it was some closure for her. Did you have the feeling, and any of this you don't want to answer, you tell me to take a hike, okay? Did you have a feeling that she knew already what he had done? No. Mm-mm. No. The, they, military kept it so quiet that, you know, I was like, she said, I didn't, we didn't even know what happened that night. So nobody really knew. It was so hush-hush. He got to go on and finish his his Navy career, whatever that was. And then he went on to a life of crime outside of the military, which is unfortunate. Mm. I wonder if in his own way he carried what he couldn't admit, carried what he couldn't let out into the open, and if that affected his later life. You know, it's possible. He... he uh held a lady hostage for five days, I believe it was five days, and read her scriptures out of the Bible, and she didn't say there was any kind of sexual trauma in the article, but I don't know that for sure. She escaped out of a bathroom window, I believe, on the sixth day. Mm. And that was in, I believe, 2006 or seven. Wow. So the things we carry can either sour everything, destroy everything where they can set us free. Right. And who knows, you know, maybe he, if he, had he forgiven himself, he could have not been so heavy into drugs and gone into domestic violence and went into jail for domestic violence and then back to jail for holding a woman hostage. I don't know. Maybe he could have, we never know. There's a divine order. I know that I was given the strength to push forward and then later on in life to forgive. And by the grace of God, here I am telling my story. How do you define forgiveness? Because I don't feel here like we're talking about, oh, that's okay, go on, never mind. I don't think we mean that kind of forgiveness. What do you mean? No, forgiveness, forgiveness, there's a misconception of forgiveness and people are like, well, I'm not going to forget it. I'm not that. I'm not condoning what they did. Forgiveness isn't condoning or forgetting. You never forget, and you know I'll live with the effects for life because there's always. You know, I'm finding new triggers and going through tapping and get getting those under control. Forgetting is, isn't possible. I don't think. 
Forgiveness is freeing your soul, freeing your soul to love who you are right here, right now. And for so long, and one of the things that drove me to get out of the chair was anger and to win and that, you know, I'm not right if I'm in a chair. Well, now I'm like, yeah, I'm allowing the universe to bring healing to me. I'm open to it. I just learned some new stuff about brain science and healing head injuries and concussions, which I've had many, and how much function I could get back from just taking care of my brain. And forgiveness is freeing your soul. And I just, I can't, I don't think I can say it any other way. It frees your soul to love who you are right now. And if you believe, as I believe, that all our all our healing, all forgiveness, all divine connection happens in the present moment, it's bringing all of that past stuff into the present and releasing it, that allows us to go forward that way. Yes. When I forgave, it was like the doors flew open, the red carpet laid out, and as I walked down that red carpet, doors were flying open as I walked by. It was like, you're going down this long hallway and wham, doors open, wham, doors open. And it was so fast. I told Wayne and then I was like, oh, I feel so much better. I told a crowd of people and I went, oh my God, I feel even better. And then I got this book deal and I'm like, wait, I never wanted to write a book. Okay, I guess I'm writing a book. <laughs> Let's do it. And then, you know, and then here I am being put on stage and telling people. And I always wondered, I'm like, God. I know I got hurt severely to show me that I had the strength inside, that I am intelligent, that I am beautiful as I am as a human being. I don't need to be anything greater. But could it have been a little less violent? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, geez, you have a sense of humor here. <laughs> and then when I had told for the first time to a crowd, people were coming up to me, thanking me telling me their story, and one young, or I wouldn't say young, she's the same age as me, she said, I've been emotionally paralyzed for 20 years. A similar event happened to her, and she thanked me, and I was like, oh, this is why I got hurt, how I got hurt. Because I was given the strength inside to move forward, to be, I guess, a leader for others to do the same. I had no idea that that's what it was until that point. I know that you, well, my sense is that you see yourself as healing. Do you also see yourself as a healer? Because what I hear as I listen to you say that is someone who is not only, you're not only opening up your story, but it creates a space for others to share theirs. Yes. I, uh, you know, I think we're always healing and we're, we're all the healers and we're all healing. And we come in contact with each other to do both, always. And I I had always heard, oh, you're such an inspiration. And I was like, oh, people, come on. I'm just living my life. What are you thinking? And then it, you hear it in a different way, in a way that you go, oh, I'm in spirit. Like Wayne says, it's not that. I'm doing things that other people can't do. I'm just 
in spirit, and they I'm here to help show them that they're in spirit as well. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's beautiful. It um, is is something that's open to all of us, no matter what we've been through, no what, no matter what um, what we've done, no matter what's been done to us. That's open to all of us. Yeah, we're all healers, and we're all healing. As you have pushed the limits, um, as you have gone and maybe sometimes crazy all out, as you say, concussions and legs <laughs> snapping off and things flying everywhere. As you've, as you've done this, you feel to me in the book, it feels like you're very unafraid. Here's a challenge. I'll overcome it. Here's a challenge. I'll overcome it. They say, I can't. Well, I can. Are you ever afraid? What is scary to you? Well, I am afraid of lightning. I'm afraid of the dark. You know, I, I'm traveling the U.S. right now without my dog. That kind of scares me. Hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of things that I'm afraid of, but I think most of all, I'm afraid of not living. And I, I want to live my life to its fullest. I want, I want my life to matter to me and matter to my family and my friends you know I want other people's lives to matter to me as well like every life matters right yeah it's how you show up and I want to show up living as full as I possibly can I have a niece and a nephew I've got godchildren I want them to grow up and know that there's a whole world out there you don't just have to stay in your own little tiny town. And maybe you don't have to let someone telling you you can't, someone ba- saying be quiet, someone saying no, stop, someone saying you will never. Maybe you right. don't have to let that stop you. There are no limits. You know, limitations are in your own mind, and the people who say you can't are just imposing their own limitations on you, the ones that they think they can't do. I don't let anybody impose their limitations on me. It's, I believe that, that idea that anything someone says to you, they really are saying about themselves. And especially the, the mean things that people say or do or the limiting things tells you a lot more about the person doing it or saying it than it possibly could about yourself. I believe that wholeheartedly myself. Yeah. And although it doesn't make it, easier it may give some perspective for people who are feeling like they have people who are experiencing that kind of trauma that kind of loss that kind of stuckness or limit in their life right and i i believe at this point in my life that i got hurt to show me that i could be so much more than i ever dreamt of to follow my dreams, to dream big, and anything is possible. Mm. Just keep doing the work. You know, my my motto is see it, believe it, and make it happen. I love it. Thinking about your niece and nephew, thinking about my own, I'm the mother of two boys, two teenage boys. What do we need to be telling our children? How can we be reshaping the culture so that we don't have, as you say, a rapist problem so that there isn't this 
uh, kind of culture of violence and then silence? What do we need to be doing? We need to educate our children what rape is. I mean, there's such a misconception of what rape actually is. And any unwanted sexual contact is sexual assault and rape. You teach them, studies have been done with junior high kids, a group of junior high kids that were taught how to see the signals of no versus the absolute no. It's like, it's not what a woman wears. It's not how she dances. It's not what she drinks. It's, there are nonverbal communications that you need to understand are a plain and simple no, and you stop. You don't go any further unless you have absolute consent. And someone who is drunk can't give you a proper consent. Someone who is unconscious, there is no consent. There is no she asked for it because the definition of rape is unasked for assault. And if we teach our kids compassion for each other, you know, that group that had been taught in junior high these fundamental values of another human being's rights to their own body and whether or not they want to be touched or not touched, even for the boys, you know, because sometimes boys aren't the aggressor. Sometimes they don't want to be touched either. And it's okay for them to say no and not be less of a man. Teach that power as a man isn't taking the power of someone else. And, you know, Scarlett Lewis, her Choose Love, Jesse Lewis Choose Love Foundation, compassion, we need to teach kids compassion that they, and let them know they have a choice of anger or hate. They have a choice to be compassionate or not be. They have a responsibility that a fellow human being, that if someone is being bullied, stand up for that someone. Would you also like to see a change in the way we pursue investigation and um, impose punishment on people who do perpetrate sexual crimes, who do assault, who do attack? I would like to see them prosecute the attacker, not say, oh, well, he's a sweet young boy and he would never do this. He could be your neighbor's son. Well, you know what? Your neighbor's son could be a rapist. Um, I, I'm sorry to tell you that. Don't treat the victim as if she's the criminal or he's the criminal. You know, cases have been overturned because there wasn't enough evidence. Well, start not having a backlog of tens of thousands of rape kits. Process those rape, rape kits immediately. Um, and I think that our justice system has failed. I think that the military has an opportunity here to lead the way, be the heroes. They could start prosecuting all of the rapists because they treat rape as if every rape is a false accusation. Two to eight percent in rigorous studies, two to eight percent of rape accusations, accusations and assault are false. 
not the other way around. Right now, our military and our society treats that 98% of accusations are false. Well, 98% of the time, those accusation, accusations are real. Mm. And if, if we start in the police stations, and when they're, they're interrogating the person that comes forward, come to them with kindness. Come to them with, we're on your side, not, well, what were you wearing is their immediate question. Because when you, it first happens, you're in trauma. You don't want to tell them everything because you're scared. And maybe you were drinking a little bit. Maybe you were dancing provocative. Maybe you did kiss the guy once and didn't want to go any further, but he took that from you, took that right from you. And yes, there are female rapists out there, but the percentage of rapists, again, are 98% male. And 2% of the population are female that do it. So the focus really does need to be on the male population and teaching both males and females because we're all growing up in the same culture. If we all learn that the male doesn't have any responsibility for where his, his willy goes because he just didn't have the control, well, he does have control. He has every bit of control of his own personal body and she needs to be able to have control of her personal body. Responsibility and the ability to tell the truth, the ability to know that when you speak out that your voice will be heard, that there are consequences for behavior that violates someone else's right. any How many rapes go unreported because who wants to be raped over the polls? Dana, what is your life like now, for readers who, for listeners who haven't yet read the book, what is your life like now? Are you, you said you're not still at the gym four hours a day getting concussions, but that you're able to walk, that you're, what is, what is it like? What is daily life like now for you? Well, for the last month or so, it's been a lot of traveling. I've put 16,000 miles on my car um, since June. How? <laughs> uh yeah, driving calms me, so it's one of those things that after Jack had passed, I just started going and seeing and, and kind of put some of the working out on the side. I still stand up and still walk upstairs, and walking is the most amazing gift, and I treat it right now. It's, a, it's the greatest tool in my toolbox to be able to get up and walk into a bathroom that maybe the door's too small for my chair to get in. But oh, look at there, I can walk in. How exciting is that? <laughs> Yet, every day function to be independent and still live on my own, I need my chair to get around. And right now, I'm 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 headed to Florida to, to try cross country sand skiing, just to, for the heck of it. I've never heard of cross country sand skiing. That's wild. <laughs> Uh, there was an Olympian who was a cross-country skier, and he was like he w did some cross-country sand skiing in Hawaii. I'm like, cool, let's go do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a Nordic instructor. I'm so excited to be a Nordic instructor this year at the Disabled American Veterans Winter Sports Clinic, which is in April. So, you know, I'm going to do some of my training in Florida and some of my training in Crested Butte, Colorado. Why not? <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. 
Now, how can listeners connect with you, find out more about your work, and how can we get our hands on the book? Um, you can, you know, I, I ask that people first order the, my book from their local bookstore, but if they don't have a local bookstore, if you're in like a big city, you can order it through Barnes & Noble or Amazon, uh, Kindle. Uh, it's, it's, to the best of my knowledge, coming out November 10th. Sometimes those dates change within a few days. It does say on Amazon. You can always catch up with me on my website. I'll be sending out my very first newsletter here pretty soon. I'm excited about that. I just got my website up and running last week. Woohoo! So, always, always, always. You can always sign in and watch my blogs, and um, I will ask. If you you can leave a message, I think when the blog is available, I I believe that when you sign in for my newsletter, you can leave a little message at the bottom. Oh, I love and that! And I will I will I will address all messages in newsletters and blogs. I am happy to address any questions. I have an author Facebook page you can put comments on. I have a Twitter. I have an Instagram. Um, you can follow me on those. Wonderful. Yes, I'm happy to answer any questions. You're everywhere. I, You're ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to get a message out to the world that they can do anything they set their minds to. It is possible. Oh, Loving yourself and healing and reaching your dreams is possible. No matter what your dream is, no matter where you come from. I'm from small town Oregon, and it was a small logging town, 2,000 people. Dreams are possible. Mm. Thank you so much, Dana, for, for being on the show, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable and funny and reminding us that we can do anything. I'm not going to try sand skiing, but you make me feel like I could almost do anything. Just maybe not that particular <laughs> thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> that is Dana Lisa Gang. Her new book is Falling Up. You can pre-order that at your local bookstore, or you can go online, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com. The book is published by Hay House, and it will be released in the next few weeks in November 2015. You can find out more about Dana and her work. Sign up for her newsletter. Check out that Facebook page. Her website is at danalisegang.com. That's D-A-N-A-L-I-E-S-E-G-A-N-G.com. And of course, I always welcome your feedback, your comments about the show. I also would love to hear from you. Who would you like to have interviewed on the show. Who are you interested in connecting with? We've got some wonderful guests coming up in the next few weeks, including Dr. Bruce Lipton. Um, who would you like to hear? And I welcome your feedback on my website at karenhager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.